Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing? That was great. Kind of. Let's do better. How you guys doing? Oh, good. So much better. So good to see you guys today. Now, before we dive in, uh, something really, really special happened this past week. Uh, you guys do know we're a preschool as well, right? We have a lot of kids that, that come here and uh, join us for preschool. So I want to take a minute uh, this morning to acknowledge that preschoolers just graduated here at Celebration Center this last week. And it was really, yeah, you can clap for that. It was really, really fun. So I actually have a handful of preschoolers. I know not all of them come here, but I thought this morning we just highlight preschoolers. So you guys, or girls, if you guys want to come on up here. Of course, my daughter's leading the way because, you know, she's an extrovert. How you guys doing today? Yeah, give them a hand. Come stand right over here. Come right over here. You guys, you guys want to say your names into my microphone real fast? Yeah. Go for it. I'm Avery. Avery. Go for it. Lydia. Lydia. Come right over here. And what's your name? Pax. Pax. So good to see you girls. Now, I know that... I know that some of these girls go to the preschool here, and one of them I know for sure just graduated. Who just graduated? Avery did. She just graduated. So I wanted to bring them up here and pray over them, but also before I do that, I want to acknowledge our preschool staff. If you work in the preschool or kindergarten here at Celebration Center, will you please stand for just a minute so we can just acknowledge you and what you do, and we're so thankful for what you guys do for us and our kids. Um, now... I know that when, when I first came here, I heard there was a school on campus, and I've heard lots of stories about churches that, that run schools as well. Some of them are really good, and some of them end up being nightmares. And so I was wondering, I was like, all right, I wonder how this is going to go. And I will tell you, it has been the biggest blessing to be a part of the preschool here and to hear the kids coming in every day. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. The stomping above my office revitalizes me and gives me energy. I like to poke my head in and say hi. I got to do chapel for the preschoolers, and it was just, I had the time of my life doing it. So thank you to the preschool staff for running this program with excellence. Thank you to the preschoolers here who come. You girls like the preschool here? You know, they're waving to parents now. That's <laughs> And, and I, didn't, I didn't tell her I was going to do this, but Avery, you learned a song in preschool for a graduation, didn't you? Would you like to sing it in front of everybody? Oh, my goodness. She said yes. <laughs> Stephanie was convinced she would say no. Is this, is this good to go, Donald? Give me one second. I don't know. Pax, do you know this song too? No? Okay. I'm going to mute myself so there's no feedback. Avery, high five. Pax, girls, can I get knuckles before you go? I want to pray for you guys before you go. Oh, good job. All right, let, let me pray for all of you. God, I thank you so much for our preschoolers. God, the, the littlest uh, Celebration Center people that we have. I thank you for the work you're doing in their hearts. I thank you for this school and the, the, the foundations that we get to, to teach and, and plant in their heads, the, the seeds we get to plant and watch you water, God. So I thank you for them, and I pray they have an amazing summer and they come back ready for the next year of preschool or kindergarten or wherever they may be off to, God, and that um, they flourish and thrive and they change the world for you, even at such a young age, God. So I thank you for them. I thank you for our staff that pours their heart and their dedication and love into these kids. And God, I couldn't have asked for or just been a part of a better staff here. And I thank you so much for that. So we thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen. Give them one more hand as they go back to their class. All right, go ahead and go to your class, Avery. That went better than I thought it would. 
A, a big part of me expected her to get the mic and then just stage fright. But that was, that was awesome. So again, thank you, staff. Thank you, preschoolers. I, I love what we get to do here. Now, um, as we uh, dive in, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Now, as, uh, as I said, we're going to be continuing our series on why we gather. Last week, we talked about gathering and what some of the good things that happened with gathering, specifically with encouragement and how we were meant to be in community. We were meant to be together. And when we get together, one of the things that happens is we all get to encourage one another through all the hard times. Now, as I mentioned today, today we're going to talk about gathering for rhythm. And rhythm can take a lot of different uh, directions. We talked about rhythm with worship and getting into a good beat and sync with something. And we're also going to talk about habits. Habits have a big part to play in our lives. Now, we all have habits, right? Um, Husbands, a lot of us know what our bad habits are because we get reminded a lot, at least I do, of my bad habits at home all the time. Um, I talked about one last week. I talked about how I bite my nails all the time. My daughter, um, Aurora, uh, threatens to dip my fingers in mayonnaise because they know I hate mayonnaise to get me from uh, biting my nails. But we all have habits. Um, Some of them, like I know the the nail biting drives my family nuts, um, but I still do it. (laughs) It's a habit that I have the hardest time breaking. Another bad habit that I have is when I get home, I will take my keys and wallet out and put them right on the island in the kitchen. That's not where they go, which I'm reminded about daily but I still do it. And then my wife takes them away and she puts them into a magical place. Well, first she asks me, she says, will you put them away? And I reply, I will. And I don't, I leave them right there. And she takes them to a magical place, the land of where it belongs. The land of where it belongs is a place that I rarely travel to when it comes to my wallet and keys. And when I ask where they are, she'll ask me if I've traveled this magical place, but then I get in more trouble because then I'll say, where is this magical place? And it's where I get my keys and wallet almost every morning because they end up there. And here's the kicker. If I were in my house to turn five feet to the right, the door where they belong is right there. But I still have the habit of putting them on the island. But habits are powerful, right? When, when we have something in our life that's so ingrained in a part of you, it's, it's hard to break. I mean, you don't even think about them half the time. Someone has to point out that you're doing something. Someone has to point out that you say something all the time because it becomes, it literally is who you are and who you've come to be because you've done it so much. Some of you may not know how habits start, um, but we all know that it's really hard to break. And usually it's the bad habits that start naturally, right? Something that you do that that either you know is not the best or someone will say that's not good for you. You need to stop because it's kind of annoying. Um, It's just something that you do and you don't know how it started but it's always the bad ones that seem to start naturally, and the good habits are the ones that always seem to take the most time and most effort to try and get going. Now, this may sound weird, but I'm actually trying to start a new habit. It has nothing to do with my wallet and keys. But I'm trying to start a new habit, and I did good today. I'm trying to eat breakfast every day. I never eat breakfast. And as I've started to try and eat healthier, I'm finding out that I need to eat more. It's the most mind-blowing concept for me in my, in my journey of, of healthy eating, to find out that I have to eat more, but I have to eat more healthy to actually get this started. And it all starts with breakfast. Now, I am 14 days in to eating breakfast every day, and I still almost forget. It is still a hard thing to keep going. I've got to devote more time to it, becomes it before it becomes just a, not just a good habit, but actually part of routine, where I wake up and it is just what I do in the mornings. Now, 
When I mention habits, some of you probably thought about your bad ones. You think, oh, someone says I do this. But think about good ones too, because habits are actually so ingrained, and they may be even more ingrained than you think. Um, a study from a psychologist in Stanford actually said this about habits. Habits are our brain's way of increasing efficiency. Our brain turns daily actions and behaviors into habits, so we would do them automatically without too much thought, thus freeing up brain power for the other more important challenges. The strategy of our brain has wonderful benefits for us all. It allows us to function better in life. Just imagine if you had to consider and ponder every single task or reaction. You'd be exhausted. It's crazy when you think about it, right? Because then you, it comes into habits of what are things that you do naturally. You can reach out to open a door. You can push a door, pull a door. These are habits that you know that you can do. And your brain, you don't even give them a second thought because they're just part of what you know, what you know to do, a routine that you may do day in and day out, the way you walk, the way you speak. I know I have a habit of speaking fast, and I'm you know, trying to work on that a little bit, maybe just a little bit. But you know, it's, there's things that are so ingrained that it's who you are. So what does this ultimately say about habits? Good or bad, right or wrong, habits are some of the most powerful aspects of our life the most powerful aspects of our life. Now, for example, it's hard to shake a bad habit. Did you know it takes an average of 66 days before a new habit takes root in your brain? 66 days. Now, you may have heard that it takes 21 days to form a new habit, which is true, but it takes three times as long for that to actually become an ingrained part of your cycle of your brain. That is a lot of time and a lot of practice and a lot of effort going into it, right? But with that little little nugget of wisdom, have this, let me offer this to you about habits. Habits are not just actions. Habits follow cravings because a habit usually seeks a reward. A habit usually seeks some sort of payoff in the end. You're doing something to attain something, to get better at something, to make something easier. There's always a goal. There's, there's a reward for your habit. So for instance, if you have a bad habit, and I'll use a, a, just a habit that you want to kick, and a very common one that people will bring up is saying they want to stop smoking. So if someone wants to stop smoking, but they don't address the craving of the reward that comes as they're trying to substitute or kick the habit, what happens then is they end up, they can often go back to that bad habit. And it's not just smoking, any habit that someone's trying to kick, because if you take out the reward that you're so longing for, that you've been going for, that it's been giving you, and you don't replace it with another reward, it's so easy to go back because that's what your body is used to. That's what your mind is used to, getting a reward for an action. So similarly now, as we create new habits or healthy habits, we need to address these underlying cravings. That's what we're going to kind of unpack today. What is the body or what is the brain really longing for? What are you really striving for? What are you pushing towards and what rewards will contribute to those good habits? So the question for today is this then. Do you crave a healthy God-honoring habit? A God-honoring relationship with others? Do, do we desire a consistent and powerful prayer life? Are we, are we really hungry for a deeper understanding of his word, a deeper understanding of what he communicates to us, in us, and through us, an understanding of his teachings? Do we really want to go deeper? And not just that, though. If you said yes to all those, then the follow-up, what are we going to do to satisfy that craving? It's one thing to have the craving. What actions are we going to take to fill it out? So what would our faith look like if we really craved fellowship? if we really craved communion, if we really craved worship, and if we really craved prayer? How could, in the theme of gathering together, how could a healthy rhythm of gathering together start to fulfill this craving and start to help us develop a natural, good, healthy habit of faith that maybe we've wanted for so long? 
And we're going to look at Acts 2 because the early church knew something about gathering together. They did it really, really well. And it talked about churches and communities of faith. And they've been modeling this for hundreds of years. Churches still come together like we are this morning to gather together. So what benefit can we get when it comes to building habits and getting into a good rhythm of our life coming together? So Acts 2, 42 to 46 highlights several things that were specifically developed and attributed to what happened when they gathered together. So Acts 2.42 starts with this. They were faithful in listening to the teachings of the apostles. They worshiped and prayed and ate the Lord's Supper together. Many powerful works were done by the apostles. Surprise and fear came on them all. All those who put their trust in Christ were together and shared what they owned. As anyone had need, they sold what they owned and shared with everyone. Day after day, they went to the house of God together. In their houses, they ate their food together. Their hearts were happy. I love this because it, it paints this perfect picture of like just people growing and loving and serving each other, right? Now, there's a few things, though, that it lays out the specifics of what they did. Some things it highlights. It says teaching. There was fellowship. There was the breaking of bread or communion, and we'll talk about that. And there was prayer. So if you, if you, if you pick out those four things in this passage, these are some of the healthy habits and healthy rhythms that we're going to unpack today. This is what happens when we come together. We make it a point to say we're going to gather, we're going to grow, we're going to encourage, and we're going to get to have some fellowship and grow in these healthy habits. The early church devoted themselves to these things. I love that. They were devoted to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I love that coming up, we get to do that as a, as a church on the 10th. We get to come here and have some time of worship and prayer and fellowship together. These are all powerful things, and they're all healthy habits. They're all a healthy rhythm that we can get in. These are the rewards, right? When we talk about the craving and the reward and what is your body going to go for because you want something in return for your habits, this, these are the rewards. This is what we get to partake in, and this is what really gets to grow and encourage us the more we do it. And I love it says they were devoted to it, right? So the word devotion, this is a really powerful word that I think can often get skipped over or thrown about loosely. But the word devotion is powerful. It means to consistently show strength which prevails in spite of difficulties, to endure or to stay in a fixed direction or steadfast. And I loved it. The early church, they were unwavering in their commitment and devotion to gather to teach, to have fellowship, to have breaking of bread, and to have prayer. In fact, this passage says, and also where it says they continued, they persevered in this daily meeting together. Now, as a comparison, I want you to think about your own life. So what is something maybe, and you don't have to shout this out loud, but just think of something that you are absolutely committed to doing every single day, no matter what. You know, just whatever life throws at you, this is something you will do every single day. Something that's become so deeply ingrained that it's beyond a habit, it literally is something that is just a part of who you are. When you're thinking about this, this is the kind of unwavering devotion that, the, that all this group of people, the apostles and the disciples had when it came to them meeting together. This was what they were going to do no matter what. And this is a consistent rhythm. This is what it will do in your life. Unwavering devotions create habits that don't feel like effort. They just become you. And when these things, the, the teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the encouraging that we talked about last week, when this becomes a piece of you, we get to see God really start to move and work and grow us in ways that maybe we didn't even think possible. We get to see huge benefits of creating new habits draw us closer to him each and every day. Habits that become so strong, they don't even require thought. That's the kind of habit I want. So 
the rewards we gain, Acts lead them out, so we're going to break them down together. The first one, it says, uh, the ability to teach and learn. The ability to teach and learn. This is a great habit and rhythm that we can dive into. Paul says in Philippians 4.9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. How many of you guys enjoy learning? Like, like genuinely enjoy learning new things. I love to learn new things. Um, as a matter of fact, I know so many random things that my wife won't play trivia games with me. They're, they're literally facts that serve no purpose in life except when you're playing Trivial Pursuit. The only time. But, but I love to learn things. I love to learn random facts of movies and TV shows, things that were improv, things that were changed. Um, I, like, for example, I loved the TV show Lost when that was on TV. I learned that one of the main bad guys was only signed on to be on three episodes, but he, they loved him so much he became the bad guy for the rest of the series. But just fun little things like that that no one needs to know that. But I learned it. And now if that question ever comes up, what actor was, was in Lost? Oh, it was Ben. It was like, I, I know it, and I'll win the game for my team. It's going to be great. But, you know, there's lots of things that, that we learn. I love to learn. And I know that uh, in, in a leadership position, I love to learn from other leaders. I love to, to devote some of my time to, to following and listening to other pastors and people that can help me and grow me in my walk with Jesus as well. Now, I believe that as followers of Jesus, we all have leadership potential, and continuing to be a learner of Christ, a learner of his word, is something that is, will take us through the rest of our lives. It's, something, it's never something where you say, that's it, I've learned everything in the Bible. Learned it all, know it all, got it. But it's something we will consistently be doing for the rest of our lives. Making sure that we're always learning and always growing in our walk is something that never should stop. It's always part of our journey. Now, a reward of good teaching is good learning. And like I said, I have pastors and leaders that I follow on a regular basis. Um, I listen to their messages. I, I like to take notes on what they're talking about because I know that it helps grow me as well. And learning scriptures together, learning scriptures as we gather in community this is something the other believers that the early church was absolutely devoted to. They said this is essential for our survival, that we get together and we teach and we learn and we grow. We make sure we are devoted to listening to teachers, to building each other up, to growing deeper in our love and passion for the gospel of Jesus. And this wasn't a casual thing. This wasn't, what are we going to do today? Oh, I think I'll go check that thing out. Um, I, was there, I was there earlier this week. Maybe I'll go back. No, this was priority. This was, they said, this is too essential in our lives to put on the back burner. We need to learn. We need to grow. We need to be devoted to this aspect of gathering together. And I love that as they're doing this, I just read a verse from, from the Bible that Paul wrote. And I love that as they're doing this, Paul comes along. And Paul was not part of their group at first. He was the counter group, right? He was, Paul was the guy hunting this group down. But I love that he has this incredible counter with God. Incredible encounter with God, and then it works and leads him to the apostles. And through that, he starts leading them, and he starts planning churches, and he starts changing the world through his writings. And we have the, the privilege of reading like his, his personal mail in Scripture, right? We get to see how devoted he was after he had an encounter with God where he learned the importance of gathering and growing and not keeping on his path that was going the wrong way. But learning, as we, as we know, can take time. Often you don't read one thing or learn something new and then suddenly it's embedded in your life forever, right? Learning takes time and it can be really, really difficult. And when we look at the, the life of Paul, he was with the wrong crowd at first. He said he was hunting people down. He was killing Christians because he thought Jesus was wrong. He thought Jesus was a liar, was not the son of God, and he was hunting people down for worshiping Jesus. But when he encounters God, 
when Paul has that moment with God, he is then set on a mission to hear the truth about Jesus. But what's great is Paul doesn't do this on his own. God doesn't reveal something to him and say, now you know it all and, be, and go on your way. He directs him to gather with people. He tells him, you have to go meet. You have to go talk. And through these encounters, Paul gets to meet. And his eyes and mind are literally opened to a brand new light where he sees the importance of who Jesus is and then what happens when you gather together. This wasn't an accident, though. Paul didn't just stumble around. And if you don't know the story of Paul, he was knocked off his donkey and blinded when God confronted him for what he was doing. And then he got his sight restored when he encountered the disciples and, and they told him who Jesus was. But this is great because this was not an accident. He didn't just stumble around saying, I've been blinded. Somebody tell me why. Somebody tell me what God's doing. He had a mission that he had to go seek out. He had to find the people that could tell him what to do. So for us, when we go and learn, it's often not going to be an accident. It's going to be something that we decide we are going to go do this. We're going to take this step to grow in our devotion. We're going to take this step to grow in our gathering, in our community, to teach, to learn, to be a part of this place. And ultimately, not just this place, but ultimately growing with God. It requires effort and attention. But the reward, having a deeper understanding and knowledge of who God is and what he does, man, I'm not sure I know of any other follower of Christ who would say, I don't want that. You say, would you like to understand more? Would you like to go deeper? Would you really like to, to open up your heart in ways that, that maybe you didn't even know God could open it and teach you things that maybe you didn't even know? I don't know of any Christ follower who would say, no, I'm content and good. The people that, that are devoted to it, there's always a longing to want to know and grow more with each other and with God. Now, currently, one of our small groups meets every Thursday night. I, I love hearing about this group. They get together weekly to break down my, uh, the, the message, the Sunday message. They, they, they pick it apart. They ask questions. Uh, they, they haven't told me that you know, I've said anything horrible yet, so that's been really, really good to hear too. But they get together, and they read scripture, and they, and they, they unpack the message. They challenge each other. They learn together. They fight together. I've heard stories of them just arguing, but not in the we don't like each other arguing, but ways that they really, really challenge. And what, this is what it means to me, but this is what I think it says. And they really get to challenge and grow together. And I think that is an amazing thing. They actually were meeting long before our small group cycle started. And I know they're going to keep on meeting after the small group cycle ends. I love it. We, they are devoted to gathering together. Devoted to gathering together to teach, to read, to listen, to learn, to grow. And this is such a healthy, incredible thing. I love hearing about what they talk through. And sometimes one of them will even uh, shoot me a text or an email saying, we've talked about this. And it always makes me feel good to know that, that what happens on Sunday is not just happening on Sunday, that it's getting taken out and people are learning and growing from it. This goes beyond the encouragement of last week. This is so important. This is establishing good habits. Good habits that lead to spiritual growth and maturity and ultimately the most fulfilling experience we could ever have because it's growing closer to God. Another reward we gain is the gift and fun of fellowship. Now, I, I love fellowship, as everyone knows, being an extrovert. I love being around people, love having people over, love going places. I'm all about being around people. But something that we get to have a good habit of is gathering together the fun of fellowship. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we can learn from Acts uh, chapter 2 that the early church was devoted and steadfast to meeting together daily. They were faithful in meeting and in listening to the teaching of the apostles. They were faithful in listening to the teachings of the apostles. To do that, now, they didn't have the live stream back then. You know, they didn't have the ability to look it up online and, and go to Twitter or, or see what uh, the pastor was dancing to on TikTok. You know, they didn't have those things. 
They had to go and physically be there. And I think that's amazing to see that they saw the importance of continually being faithful to gathering together. Now, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we have to come together like this every single day of the week. I'm not saying you have to every day of your life have a massive formal service. But I would encourage everyone to think about outside of this formal gathering, how else are we gathering together? What else are we doing to say, hey, I'm going to be part of a community where on a Sunday where you get to come and, and listen to, to worship and, and participate in worship and then listen to a message, what other times of the week are you getting together where you get to gather and really unpack your heart, really, really share and sharpen with each other your minds? Now, I think that fellowship with believers throughout the week, even beyond Sunday, is incredibly important, and it's all about why we gather to grow. And some avenues that, that churches use, that even we use some of these, we have small groups. There's, there's men's groups that meet together. There's women's groups that meet together. Some places have book clubs that meet together. There's sports groups, outdoor adventure clubs. And you know what? All of those things that are up there right now, those are all part of our small groups and what we do here currently. If any of these things you know, kind of make you go, oh, that, that sounds like it'd be fun or something I want to do, we do those. And in every one of these groups, it's fun to hear and see people that are doing these things and then building each other up through encouragement and creating a healthy habit of getting together and growing through scripture and through the word. I know that we have a small group that, uh, that meets for dinner and the sole focus of their group is to build relationship over food. And that is a, and just an awesome thing. There's another group that went through a book together. And they got to unpack the book chapter by chapter and talk about how do we apply these things to our lives? How does this point us closer to Jesus? How do we get to be better examples of Christ because of the lessons we learned from this book? There's another group, like we said, that meets every Thursday and they go over the message. There's a group just for women and they have an incredible study together and it's fun to hear about the things that they learn in the women's study. There's outdoor adventure groups, uh, groups of men that go on hiking and hiking trips and they go to waterfalls. There's women that also go on hikes and they go to the parks. And there's, there's so many ways that we can all gather together. But what I love is that all of these groups have one common theme, to gather together, to build, to grow, to glorify Jesus. And that builds an amazing habit and rhythm of a loving community. And this doesn't happen by accident. Signing up and going to a small group and intentionally driving to someone's house or destination is not something that you go when you get there, how did I get here? What happened? Like it's, it's an intentional thing, right? You, you really made the effort to go. And I think when we understand that to build a habit is going to take effort, we're one step closer to really understanding that rhythm and the good things that can come from it. It's not an accident. But when we see people that maybe don't know God at all, want to be part of something that sounds fun like up here, when we see people or hear people say, I'm going to come to, I'm going to come have dinner at your, your house, and they start to see the fun and fellowship that happens, and then that translates into someone saying, why do you do this? Why, why are all these people here? Why is, this, why is this so fun? It opens up the door for an amazing opportunity to say, we're doing this because of Jesus, because we share the love of Jesus. And sure enough, and I, we, I've seen it happen, <laughs> there's people that go thinking they're going to a dinner party, and they are, but then because of the conversation and because the goals that we have to gather together and what the importance that it means, it points them and shows them something they never knew existed, and they start saying, what is that in you, and I want it. And then sure enough, someone who said, I would never go to church, checks out your church because they're having so much fun and getting to know you and share your life. Or maybe it's someone who said, I've been burned by a church, I'll never go again. But they're a part of a group that gathers, who has such a fun rhythm of meeting together and challenging each other that they want to be a part of something larger. And that's when we get to see them open their hearts and we get to point them to God and watch God do an amazing work in their heart 
that couldn't happen if he wasn't at the core of what we were doing. I love gathering together. We also get the reward of breaking bread or having communion. <clears throat> now, as I said, some gatherings are for food. Um, the, we have one of our groups that meets together specifically their purpose of just having dinner and sharing life and building each other up that way. But sometimes we get to share in communion with each other. And that's something that we get to do on our worship night on June 10th. We get to share and have communion, break bread, and drink juice together because of the symbolism of what it is. Now, communion is an incredibly important part of what we do. Incredibly important part. And this goes just beyond the fellowship part and just be, and beyond the dinner aspect or food aspect of meeting together. This is a very special part of gathering together and the breaking bread together. We see it written out in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, where it says this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and where he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, this is important because this, when you understand the context of coming together and having this, this rhythm and this habit of doing communion together, it goes beyond a ritual or a snack. I know that, that my kids, um, sometimes they'll, they would go through the fridge at church and ask if they could have the communion juice because in their minds it was a snack. <laughs> and we got to share that, I got to share with them through communion that this is so much more than a snack when we come together. This is so much more than just a routine of doing something. This is a healthy rhythm because communion is about remembering Jesus. It really is at its core. It is remembering Jesus. It's remembering his life. It's remembering his sacrifice on the cross. It's remembering his body that was broken for you and me. It's remembering his blood, which was the marker of a new and final covenant between God and man. It was a reminder of his death. It was a reminder of his resurrection. It was a reminder of his promise to return again for his church. When you encompass all these things, all these things into why we take communion, then it becomes something that's, this is so much more than just, hey, let's remember what Jesus did. It is an all-encompassing, healthy habit to partake in. And these are realities we simply can't forget because communion, implicitly, I love this, communion is done with others. The very first time Jesus did it with people, he did it with his disciples. When we get to do it, we get to do it with each other. We get to remember Jesus together. Think about it like this. Our common union, the thing that brings believers together through the millennia, through the, the hundreds and thousands of years that people have come together, is Jesus. Communion is an opportunity to remember him together every time we take it when we get together. We get to being the sole focus, making sure he is the reason that we gather. It's an amazing gift that he gave us. And the last thing I'll unpack from Acts is that the reward of having the reward and rhythm from habit we get of getting together is prayer. I can't think of a healthier habit in your life to have an amazing, good habit of prayer. Prayer is powerful, prayer is deep, and prayer is often, I think, sometimes the first thing we discredit when times get really, really hard. I think sometimes when, when things happen in life, I know I'm guilty of it, you would, I would, you know, let me, let me call this person, let me do this, let me try and fix this, and then realize after who knows how long of struggling with something, just the, the gut check of, when did I pray about this? When did I really say the first thing I need to turn to when things look impossible is the one who says where your impossible starts, that's where my imagination begins. 
He can do so many things that we don't give him credit for sometimes. And it's not a, it's not a conscious thing. It's, it's, the, it's the subconscious, unconscious thing. I think I shared before when I was doing a, a fundraiser when I was in California, um, that the fundraiser had been handed to me with only a, you know, a month and a half left to go. And I had never run it before. I'd been a part of it. But, man, it was six weeks of insanity trying to get this fundraiser going. And I remember the day before the fundraiser, one of my staffers on the, the fundraising team said, Dustin, when was the last time you prayed about this? And I'd realized at that point, six weeks went by, and I never once just prayed for God to take control of this fundraiser. And that moment made me feel bad initially. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm the pastor in the room, and my volunteer just asked me if I prayed about it. So it was a reality check for me. But I will say that once I prayed about it, it was like a weight came off my shoulders. It was so, so cool. And it ended up becoming, not just because of me, but because of the team, and more importantly, God, it became the most successful fundraiser we'd ever had in history at that point. And I know it's because right before the fundraiser, we decided to stop what we were doing and turn it all over to God. Prayer goes, it's so powerful, so much more, I think, than we sometimes give it credit for. And it goes way beyond just asking for things. Prayer, we get to take the time when we pray to praise God. Like really just, just communicating with him and saying, God, I'm just going to take some time today to just say how amazing you are. We get to praise God. We get, get to confess our hardships. We get to say, God, I'm coming before you today because this is where I messed up. And newsflash, it's not new news to him. <laughs> he already knows. But it's for us to be able to confess to God where we're struggling, what our hardships are, what are our mistakes. And then we get to experience the grace and forgiveness that only can come from him. We get to thank him for all he has done. We get to make our requests known to him and know that he receives them and he hears us. We could do an entire series, seriously, on prayer in just a few, just these aspects of prayer. <clears throat> but today, I just want to focus on making sure that we understand the importance of when we get together, when we gather and we devote ourselves to his teaching, prayer is an incredibly large portion of it. And prayer is one of the healthiest habits you could possibly have. It is such a gift to be able to gather together and pray in community. I love that we get to do it privately and we get to do it corporately. There is power when we pray together. In fact, when, uh, when asked for advice on prayer, Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says this. This is how you should pray. And a lot of us know this prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, like I said, I imagine most of us are familiar with this prayer. Some of you maybe even were saying it with me in your head because it's, it's common. It's, it's recited. We know what this prayer is. But something that, that blew me away when I saw it this way was, have you noticed that when Jesus instructs us to pray in this prayer, it doesn't say, give me today my daily bread, forgive my debts, lead me not into temptation. He uses a lot of the group nouns. He says us. He says ours. I, the most famous prayer of all time, when Jesus says, this is how you should pray, it's a communal prayer. It's something he says, do this together. This is all of us on the same boat. We're all on the same journey. Let's do this together. It wasn't just meant to be do alone. It was meant to be done in groups. It was meant to build each other up as we gather to encourage, to spur each other on towards good deeds. And even if not meant to be spoken aloud in the midst of fellowship with others, it certainly is meant to be spoken with him in mind because he is the one that we are communing with. There is power when we pray together and when we're committed to praying together and when we come together, we can see amazing things happen. Now, as we get close to wrapping up today, I want to revisit something that I said last week. 
Hebrews 10.25 talks about, it says, some people who've developed a habit of not meeting together. It said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, I also said, for believers and Christ followers, we receive in fellowship, it's deeper than that. It is so much deeper than forgetting to gather. Because when people says they forget to gather, they've made it a habit of not doing it. I would say when we gather, we get to build the most important, incredible habits in our life. We gather together because it's who we are. When adversity comes to our doorstep, we can gather together and show that we can show the adversity the door instead, right? When things don't go our way, we can gather together and show those things that we have a God who's pointing our way. When we're confused, frustrated, or angry, we have a God that says, I can take your confusion, I can clarify, I can ease your emotions, I can bring you a peace that surpasses all understanding. When we join with each other in fellowship, we spur each other on towards love and good deeds, it's because that's who we were created to be. We weren't meant to be an island, we weren't meant to do it alone, we were meant to come together to build each other up, to spur each other on, and have incredible habits. Now, this is true. It's true that when we have numerous and wonderful benefits when we come together, we learn, we remember, we have fellowship, we pray. And there are so many more things that are good that happen when we come together. The early church was absolutely committed. It was beyond committed. They were devoted to meeting together because they knew that these habits were what they needed. They were going to need to get through what was coming. They knew a lot about good habits and what it takes to persevere through these hard times. I'd like to invite the worship team back up as we come to a close. And as they come up, would you all stand with me this morning? Now, I have a challenge for you guys this week. I know um, some of you guys, when, when I say there's a challenge, some of you are like, all right. Some of you go, oh. But, but I promise, challenges are good things. They, you know, they, they, some action points for us to take out and go forward with. So some challenges this week. Identify some of your habits and rhythms. What are some habits and rhythms that you do on a regular basis? Maybe you can have someone in your house point out something to you. Like, this is a habit you have. Not for the sake of telling you stop it and to, to nag you about it. But literally, so you can just start to think, this is something that's so ingrained in my life that this is a part of me. And then ask, you know, what is it that you do every morning, every evening, every, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday? What are some the days of the week where certain things happen? What's positive about these things? What are things you would change? If you're not in the, the habit of gathering with people um, on outside of Sunday, I would say, you know what? Why? Maybe that's a question you have to ask or why, why or ask yourself, why am I not gathering outside of Sunday? Is it busyness? Is it schedule? Is it just desire? But then I would say, reconsider, what would the good benefits be if you did? How could you grow if you did? Are there things keeping you from fellowship, past hurts or fears? Are there things robbing you from, from the, the rewards in life that you know can only come from, from God because you're developing a good habit with other believers? Let's commit to each other to keep building, keep encouraging, build healthy habits, and not just for our sake, but to glorify him through our lives. Amen? God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get to gather. I thank you, God, that we, we get to build good habits that are going to point us towards you, that are going to help us grow in you, that are going to teach us more about you. And God, I pray for everybody here as we go on this week, God, we, we, we call people, we, we join some groups. Maybe it's not an official small group, but it's just a gathering of friends and family that, that can help encourage and spur each other on to follow you more. God, I pray that our habits get built. We identify things that we can do in our lives to ultimately point us to you and get closer to you through all this, God. So with that, God, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.